0: God's beloved, we open up our Bibles to Psalm 147, verse 5, which you just sang. Psalm 147, verse 5. We are uh, coming back to a little bit of a mini series here and there through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. uh, Question and answer for thinking about the attributes of God. And uh, tonight we are going to study that God is infinitely, eternally, and unchangeably wise. He is wisdom himself. And I'll just read that verse for us. Verse 5, Psalm 147, verse 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Let me read that again. Great is our Lord and of great power his understanding is infinite. And while we'll think about that in its main context, we're looking at the second part of the verse. That's what we're focusing on tonight. God's understanding is infinite. And that word understanding is a synonym we'll see elsewhere for wisdom. His wisdom, his understanding is infinite. And it's a, it's a distinction. It's related to his knowledge, but it's more than that. It's what to do with the knowledge. The spirit of wisdom was given by God to master craftsmen in the Bible. Especially related to their uh, building and uh, sewing of things and putting all things together for the tabernacle by God's design, but the ability to understand it and see how it all works and put it all together. Which, if you're like me, who uh, tends to look at a puzzle and then says... Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like, that's not good. I mean, once in a while, if they're really big pieces, maybe like five pieces makes the you know, Yeah, that's just not my, that's just not my forte. But, uh, you know, they, and the thing is, is if you're like me, you read the, about the tabernacle and all of the stuff we've looked at uh, as we finished Exodus not long ago, reading in the morning services is incredible, right? I mean, all of these details, I get lost. I feel like I'm in a fog in all the details. But there are some who are like, oh, yeah, got it, got it, you know, put it all together. And they did put it all together. By God's design, they were able to build it up. And it says that God gave some of those people, including some of the women are mentioned, a spirit of wisdom. A great ability to see how it all works together in design of the blueprints and in an ability of making them all become reality. Reality engineering and artistry you can have in view here. Uh, and, and an architect, uh, Herman Bovink says, what is true of a human artificer is true in a higher degree of God, just as the former expresses his idea in his masterpiece. So the latter creates all things in accordance with the ideas which he himself has formed. The universe is God's masterpiece. You think of that with Psalm 19, right? I said to myself, I've got to re-memorize that. I, I've seen some incredibly glorious sunsets in the last few weeks. And I, I say what I, I always say, Psalm nineteen one. but it's so nice to start to sing
1: Psalm 19, 1
0: to one to six, I believe it is
1: the spacious heavens declare the glory of our God.
0: Um, and that's much of what is related when it, we speak about God's wisdom. As creator, his handiwork, his, his works of creation, his works of providence, his work of working out his plan, but especially and related it to redemption, but it's all his masterpiece. Thus, look at verse four, right, right before our verse seven, he telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Have you looked up at the stars? I mean, have fun trying to number them. You give up in a few seconds, I think, right? I mean, talk about a, giving up on a puzzle. <laughs> it's okay. And what you should just do is, wow. And that's the idea. Wondering God's wisdom is His marvelous majesty and understanding and how they look to us, but, if, but they're actually far apart. And how He's above all the heavens and they're His, you know, they're His seat, His throne. It's, it's incredible to think about. He has named the stars. He knows them all. He's put them all in their place. I mean, anything you've ever watched at a planetarium or I think some things we've watched on videos with the creation. Just stop and think about the universe, the stars. He put them all there. Remembering at the beginning, right? Many things to be for their places for the telling of seasons and the ordering of time and measuring of things. But he also named them. That's why I always get a kick out of it when you'll see an advertisement on TV. Oh, hey, pay this much money and name a star for your loved one. I'm always like, but it's already been named. I mean, we don't know what it is necessarily, but who are you to name what God has already named? All of them, right? He's named them. Isn't that something to wonder about? What does he name them? And why did he name them, those names? Names are always significant in the Bible. I imagine that's one of the things we'll get to do in eternity is just learn about the stars and their names. Isn't that something? And the wisdom of God behind it all. He named the stars. He knows them all. And as we have a glimpse of them just a bit through telescopes, we see their marvelous order and beauty glowing. In glorious constellations and galaxies. Now, last week we had a sermon on Proverbs 3 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths, or he will make your paths straight, he will direct thy steps. You'll have to forgive me. I have a certain song I shared on our Facebook page that sometimes I get the words a little off at the end there because I'm thinking of the song I know. Choose wisely by choosing God who is wisdom. Choosing to learn from him and not going about your own ways, but knowing his ways and how he would have you follow him. Not leaning on your own quote unquote understanding, but on his quote unquote understanding. In our verse tonight, it's the same uh, Hebrew root. But notice in this case, in God's case, his understanding is infinite. There's no end to it, it's infinite because he's infinite. And this is one of his attributes that we're studying. Wisdom is, as Coleridge notes, common sense in an uncommon degree. <laughs> and uh, while we don't want to speak about that exactly about God, we can see why we want it. Because frankly, there isn't much common sense at all in working with how the world works these days. I think we would agree there's a whole lot of lack of common sense. Let alone in an uncommon degree. But God has perfect sense about everything. It all makes sense in relation to God's plan and working it out. It's beyond our ability to make sense of it all. But it does all make sense. And that's the glory of it. That's the glory of him. Uh, A. A. Hodge notes... He is wise to know the sources of knowledge, who knows who has written and where it is to be found. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool as great as a fool knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. See that's the thing to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And that's why often we know the Proverbs will qualify. Sometimes the the hoary head, the gray hair on an older person is not necessarily their glory if they haven't grown the way they should with wisdom. Knowing how to live life. This is why we parents will often appeal to our children to give us a second consideration with advice because we've been here a while longer. We've had more experiences. We know some things. Sometimes from our failures. I think a lot of a lot of uh, the proverbs uh, and even Ecclesiastes from Solomon is his wisdom. Sadly, and not applying that wisdom sometimes and saying, "Learn from me." But also, awful also just learning that God is true, learning His word, knowing it hopefully better, able to share it. Things we've experienced. And the thing is, if we are wise to go to where the wisdom is, God has the wisdom. God is the wisdom. He's the father of heavenly lights. He's the eternal father. Not only has he been here longer, he's been here eternally. (laughs) He's had it all planned out before you and I ever existed, though he already knew us and he had a plan for us and he's working into all things for his glory. He has the knowledge and here's the thing. He knows how to use it. He knows how to use it. (laughs) You know, often you'll hear people say, you know, If I had the body with all its strength of my 20s, But the knowledge I have now in my, you know, pick your decade, (laughs) how grand would that be? Because we know how to, we know how to do things in life. We know how to live life in a way, but now we're limited in our ability sometimes physically, right? But we have wisdom and knowledge that we could apply. And uh, the glorious thing is we'll experience that in heaven in a new way. We'll be able to apply that with our new spiritual bodies. But there's this aspect of recognizing God in all his infinite, eternal, unchangeable wisdom. Is who we should be giving our, all our thoughts to, all our time to, seeking his advice and guidance. Again, thinking of Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 last week in the evening. He is working all things out gloriously and far above our ability to comprehend and our ability to ask or even think. And he's actually doing it by the power in the church, Ephesians 3, 20, 21. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so let's try to ask and think big, and we never really do because we don't fully appreciate or comprehend how wise and how amazing he is and all that he has planned and all that he's doing. God is so powerfully great that his wisdom is beyond measuring. I give that to you as the main idea of our verse tonight and it's mostly restating it as it's brief. God is so powerfully great that He, his wisdom is beyond measuring. And it's the, the Hebrew word here uh, is infinite. Uh, where it says in Psalm one forty-seven five, His understanding is infinite. Now that word in the Hebrew, infinite, is literally something more like not from measure or not uh, from number, not able to be counted, not not able to be made, uh, not in the sense of made sense of, but not. Making sense of it all because we just can't fully grasp and account for all that he can account for. It's infinite, it's just far beyond us. See, we can't keep on top of all the intricacies of God's design and creation and providence and redemption. We just just can't. He reveals things to us. He hasn't revealed everything to us, Deuteronomy says. And even what He reveals, we have to spend so much time trying to digest and appreciate and apply wisely. The Westminster Divines probably picked this verse for the Shorter Catechism number four tonight because of the word infinite. Uh, You might be surprised it's the word understanding is infinite, not the word wisdom. And I was surprised. I actually did check with my Hebrew professor to check my work, and he agreed. They're basically synonyms. I wanted to double check. I was pretty sure. Why did they choose this? I think they chose it because of the word infinite. Because, again, we're thinking about God is a spirit. Infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, justice, holiness, goodness, and truth. So, all those other attributes, remember, Robert Raymond explains, are qualified by the adjectives infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, all ultimately. Talking about God is glory, remember. But we're looking at his wisdom, that he is wisdom, infinitely, eternally, unchangeably so. So I think that's probably why they chose this word tonight, even though the word wisdom is not there. But the word understanding is. And what we need to recognize is that is um, essentially the same as the word wisdom. It's attached with infinite uh, to help us make uh, the most use of it for this catechism, question four of the shorter catechism. But the word understanding. Is Is a synonym in the scriptures for wisdom. So when you see understanding, it's not the same Hebrew word, but it's a synonym, so it means the same thing as wisdom essentially. There are nuances in the etymology, that is the the development, the source of the word, uh, but they're essentially synonyms in how they're used. Usually when you see the word wisdom, it's it's wisdom, and it's usually the more familiar word, uh, Hebrew word, something like chukma. Uh, that's the one you're usually going to see. But here we have understanding tonight, I think because of infinite, but it's essentially the same thing. Now, it's interesting. The old Geneva Bible actually does translate our word understanding as wisdom, adds an E to it, <laughs> the older English, I guess, but they do translate it as wisdom. And uh, I want to give you a few examples from the scriptures that demonstrate that wisdom wisdom and understanding are synonyms. They mean the same thing. So as we study God as wisdom tonight, and I'm using the the Bible verse that the Westminster Divines give for the Shorter Catechism number four, I just want to demonstrate why they're using it. Understanding is infinite, and understanding is the same as saying wisdom, though a different word. It's a synonym. Here's a few examples. Proverbs 2 verse 6, "...for the Lord giveth wisdom... Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. See that's a parallel. And in the proverbs and in the Psalms you'll have often you'll have parallelisms. Uh, sometimes they're uh, an opposite. Sometimes they are a development, kind of a synthetic parallelism. Uh, sometimes it's a contrast of opposites. And in this case, there are times where there's a synonym, a uh, parallel parallelism in terms of synonym, is saying the same thing in two different ways. So wisdom and understanding are the same. They're being used as synonyms. Uh, and I'm really just giving you a few Proverbs to do to share this with you. Proverbs 3:13. Happy is the man that findeth Wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Really saying the same thing. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Proverbs 9, verse 10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Again, wisdom. And understanding our synonyms, just as fear and knowledge of the Lord are really saying the same thing. One other scripture, Proverbs 10, verse 23. A man of understanding hath wisdom. A man of understanding hath wisdom. Again, basically synonyms. Although Herman Hoeksmill points out, and it's something to, to consider, he says wisdom is the application of discernment. Our word, uh, the word understanding tonight, he points out, as many do, the, the idea of understanding in our text is discernment. But again, that really is the same idea as wisdom. Discerning between good and evil, right and wrong, knowing how to make a wise moral choice that glorifies God and blesses our lives. Okay, so having information and knowing what to do with it is wisdom, understanding, discernment. And the Proverbs teach to get wisdom morally discerning between good and evil and applying all of it for God's glory and for our good and to get it from God who is wisdom and who teaches us about himself and teaches us wisdom in his word and especially in a potent way you might say in the Proverbs. The reason to trust in God's Word and follow His ways, and not your own understanding, but His understanding, is because you do not have God's understanding or wisdom. That is, His wisdom is perfect. His wisdom is infinite. And, of course, it's related to omniscience, all-knowing, and eternality. The Westminster Larger Catechism number seven, a parallel to Shorter Catechism four, says God is a spirit knowing all things, most wise. So it doesn't just say that he's infinitely wise, most wise. Again, this superfluous way of trying to impress ourselves with God. And in this case, his attribute of wisdom, his infinite wisdom. God is identified as wisdom itself. And I'm going to share with you a number of verses that speak about God himself as wisdom. What I want you to notice as I was putting these together, mostly mostly scriptures from the commentaries, a few my, I think I've also put together. But one thing as I was just listing them out together to see that God himself is wisdom, notice they're almost always in the form of a doxology. What is a doxology? It means to be giving praise and glory to God. They're usually almost a summary Statement at the end of considering all these amazing things about God. And then they break into doxology in the scriptures, kind of a summary of all these things. It's so incredible. Look at all that God's doing, all his ways, all his works. And then notice how they speak about his wisdom mostly in these forms of doxology. That being said, wisdom, God is uh, spoken of personified as wisdom in Proverbs 8 as Jesus Christ, who in John 1 verse 1 is the Logos. Uh, the word is literally the Logos. Logic, wisdom. Romans 16 27, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. First Timothy one seventeen. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. These are all doxologies and they're just proclaiming a mother among other things. He's the only wise God. Jude 25 to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. You ever have that experience? You're reading the scriptures, and sometimes you kind of go like, (laughs) like I've had that reading through Romans when I was in college. I was like, I read it before, but it was just hitting me like, this is incredible. Wow I can't believe it you know And uh, there's been times like I know I was reading Through the gospel of Mark a little while ago and I was So impressed with the way Mark was driving Everything home and just at the end boom and he Went up into heaven to do his throne done You know it was like You're glorious you know it's just like you played. I mean it, there's these times where you read through and Most Wise Praise and glorify you almighty God Amen Jesus is spoken of also as wisdom, of course, the second person of the Trinity. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. As I heard someone say recently, there wasn't anyone ever on this earth, a man on earth ever before or ever later will be, who is more wise than Jesus Christ no philosopher also the scriptures often speak about watch out for vain philosophy right and science falsely so called but even the good ones there's no man on earth who is God only wise who God has made wisdom to us who could you be better spending your time with beloved sitting at his feet and learning from him Colossians 2 verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in him. Revelation 5 12, many angels are witnessed as saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 7, verse 12, saying again the angels, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom. And thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. These are doxologies again at the end of sections of Revelation. What is the revelation? It's the revelation of what's actually happening. We as Christians feel like we're losing. It looks like the world is winning. We're done for. But Jesus says, let me show you what's actually really happening. Let me show you behind the scenes the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. His own revelation about himself Advancing his kingdom throughout the world. Let me show you what's really happening. I've won and you're winning. Conquer by overcoming. Hold fast, overcome, because the war is won. We're just finishing this up. And he is the king of kings. He's the beginning and the end. His kingdom endureth forever. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of our Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's the reality behind the weaving. That's all the things that you don't understand, but I'm sharing with you a glimpse of it. All of this doxology, which is glorious and why they're rejoicing and his wisdom is, okay. You're working this all out. And and what does the revelation do so often? It's just quoting from the Old Testament prophets so many times. There's just this unbelievable wisdom in how it's all working out for our redemption, for his glory. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 2, Section 1 reads in part, There is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being, And perfection, most wise, there it is again, infinite, most wise, goes on to say this, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory. And that's really an expression or a description of what it means to say God is wisdom. God is wise. He's most wise. How is that? He's working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory. He's that incredible architect, that incredible engineer, that incredible artist. He's made it all. He's planned it all out. And now he's putting it out there and it's all happening and it's glorious. This speaks again to the main idea of what it means to say God is wisdom. That God is wise because he's wisdom himself. He's working out all his works amazingly. And it isn't that he's working it out as he figures it out. He's working it out as he had planned it out from all eternity. You're seeing his glorious predestined plan executed in his tremendous providence works of creation and providence, as the confession would guide us. Herman Bovink explains, uh, choosing the best end and the best means for reaching that end, he created all things with a purpose, after a pattern, an idea, hence with wisdom. Creation is the realization of these ideas. God is the great architect. His ideas are one, absolutely original. Two, eternal, unchangeable. Three, manifold yet unified. Having as their ultimate purpose God's glorification. Creation is the realization of divine ideas. Remember that as you look out on that next sunset together let alone everything else. Creation is the realization of divine ideas. Herman Hoeksema writes this. Talking about God as wisdom. He is able to adapt his whole counsel and all things to the attainment of the highest purpose. And to adapt all things to one another with a view to that purpose, his own glorification. You might keep that in mind with where we are in the confession of faith this evening, still talking about providence. And one of the last sections, section six, I believe saying, well, how is it that there's evil? How is it that there's Satan? How is it that the fall? How is it that there's these wicked people? And God is, we're getting explained to us. It's all according to his providence. It's all working out his plan. He's not surprised. He's not second guessing himself. There's no plan B. He's working it all out. He knows what he's doing. And knowledge is knowing information, but wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. How it all works together, what it is for. And for God, as wisdom, he has eternally determined it all to be so in creation and providence and redemption. And he has the power to do so. He has the power to think and will it and make it so. There is no more powerful mind than that of our eternal gods. Sometimes again, this idea of wisdom is understood as discretion, intelligence, he knows all possible things that could be, but he discerns and chooses not contingent upon them whatever he's going to do, because that's best and most wise. He has intelligence, but he has. Faculty is another way of saying it. We think of faculty with teachers, right? They're able to teach. They have wisdom. They can explain and make sense of everything. Sometimes we speak of we have all our faculties, right? We have our ability to make sense of it all and work with it all. God knows how to make sense of everything. It's intuitive. Robert Raymond writes, his wisdom is reflected both in his eternal plan and in all his ways and works. Want to share a little wisdom for you from Louis Burkhoff in his systematic theology. Wisdom is not just theological, it's practical. God's wisdom, he writes, is his intelligence as manifested in the adaptation of means to ends. It points to the fact that he always strives for the best possible ends and chooses the best means for the realization of his purposes that perfection of God, whereby he applies his knowledge to the attainment of his ends in a way which glorifies him most. You might think of Romans 9. Some are vessels of his glory in mercy. Some are vessels of his glory in judgment. But either way, he's glorified. He manifests all these things to show all aspects of his glory he wishes to have manifested. Birkhoff goes on to write, it implies a final end to which all secondary ends are subordinate. And according to Scripture, this final end is the glory of God. This wisdom of God is seen particularly in creation, he writes. So we see it in His creative works, the wisdom of God in creation. So Psalm one hundred four twenty four says, "O oh Lord, how manifold are Thy works! In wisdom Thou hast made them all. The earth is full of Thy riches." I couldn't do that. Who could do that, Lord? Your works of creation are so wise. And he points out that God shows his wisdom particularly in revealing things about his providence and how he works out his plan. Isaiah 46, verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Seems to me that's one of the reasons that Revelation speaks of Jesus as the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's planned it out, he's working it all out, and nobody could ever have come up with a better way to do it. No one has the kind of understanding that he does. Lastly, Berkhoff points out that God shows his uh, wisdom, particularly in redemption, Ephesians 3, 10 to 11, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the internal purpose, he shows the manifold wisdom of God in in saving us. Why did he save me, right? We might say, and not someone else. I don't know he's wise he knows what he's doing I'm just so glad and I'm just trusting in his wisdom and I'm going to preach it even though much of the world thinks it's crazy but it's his wisdom and it's how he confounds the world's wisdom thus 1 Corinthians 1 23 to 25 but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Think about that. The Christ seems crazy, doesn't it? No king is going to do that first, right? That's how he's going to conquer the world, offering himself up to be killed. But he's conquering Satan. Satan. He's conquering principalities of this world in heavenly places. And he is going to be that substitute for his people. And again, you think about all the typology in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. Everything's about him, he says in the New Testament. All these amazing things, when you start to put them all together, you have a chance to take systematic theology class, or you have the chance to go through the Westminster standards and see how it all works together. It's wow. That's why some people have spoken of... uh, Starting to study the Westminster Standards as a second conversion. A person, uh, I think it was Pastor. Uh if it wasn't Pastor Bradley Burley, I think actually, Pastor Burley in Australia years ago, he's got an article, I have a copy of some of it in our, in our membership class. He speaks about some of us, we were just looking to understand the Bible and Christianity better. I went to a professor in a college I was at who didn't read it or care about it, but he says, try this. He gave him Westminster confession. Probably somebody gave it to him, he didn't want it, you know. And he said, we all started studying this together, it was like a second conversion. Why? Because it's putting it all together. It's connecting all the dots, All these things, they do not contradict. They work marvelously together, as the Westminster Confession says in chapter one of the scriptures, the consent of all the parts. And there's a lot of parts and moving parts, if you will. But it works into this glorious thing. But it's foolishness to the world. But here's the thing again, beloved. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. You remember that when you decide who you're going to go to for counsel in your life. Because the foolishness of God, as if there were, this is just a figure of speech, is wiser than men. And, beloved, all this brings more appreciation, first of all, for Romans 8, 28, does it not? God's infinite wisdom in everything. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He has wisdom in all of it, and we just have to trust in that and have peace. He's wise. He couldn't be doing it any better. What's happening couldn't be done any better. That doesn't mean we pretend some things aren't horrible and difficult, but we understand ultimately he's working it all out in his infinite wisdom. And no one will understand. No one has his infinite understanding about it. But we're being told by the scriptures, he is great. He is infinite in his understanding, in his wisdom, in his working out of all things. Doesn't this again bring more appreciation to the doxology in Romans 11, 33 to 36? Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. For who hath known the mind of the Lord and who hath known his judgment? His ways are past finding out. For who shall give him counsel? Who shall give to him and it shall be recompensed to him again? All things are from him and through him and to him, to whom be glory forever. He's working all things out. Just marvel in God's infinite wisdom. Now that's a doxology that comes after chapters 9 and chapter 10 dealing with some pretty heady difficult theology that lots of people like to duke it out over. How's it all going to work out? I don't know. I mean I think I have an understanding of it but we have plenty that have slightly different understandings. In the end the ultimate understanding is oh the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. That's Paul's just marveling in it. But as you saw in Romans sixteen twenty seven, when he closes the whole book, to God only wise. <laughs> Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And as you have more appreciation for such texts, may you respond, walking by faith, not by sight, with the resolve of Psalm 145, verse 17 The Lord. Is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And I know I've shared with you before, I believe, in this mini series, but I don't remember where I read that, but I remember reading a Puritan quoting that verse as he reflected upon and worked within his very difficult providences of life at that moment. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. God is most wise. Beloved, you will later look back over all of God's ways that he allows and especially see God's providence working out and say, that was so amazingly wise. I get it. Couldn't have been any other way. He's going to rejoice in it. I totally get it. In heaven, <laughs> you know, and I don't think he'll show us everything, but we'll just continue to get it more and more like, you know, we'll without sin be able to trust perfectly all his ways and not our own understanding yet that will be redeemed. But we get it That's so amazingly wise. You knew best all along. Lord, forgive me how often I question you and I reasoned with you in scriptures and I tried to tell you to do it a different way. I thought I knew best. You know what you're doing. You knew best all along. I'll let you get back to work. You know what you're doing. I haven't a clue, but to trust in you. To be consistent with our other sermons and our mini series as I'm referring to it in the Westminster Shorter Catechism number four about the attributes of God, uh, I've, said, I've given you this final point, the main point of the sermon. God is gloriously infinite. God is gloriously good. God is gloriously eternal. And so I wanted to change the po- my sermon point tonight when I realized I wasn't keeping in step with that th- consistent theme of a series. So here's what I was going to give you as the sermon point tonight. God is gloriously wise. But I decided to stay with what I gave you in the bulletin because I think the way to apply it for you and me to peacefully remember and to trust in faith that it is best to say it this way as we would apply this text to our lives. Your father knows best. Your father knows best. You are a child. You are his child. He is your infinite Father. Eternal, unchangeable in wisdom. Your Father knows best. As you walk through life and often you're wringing your hands and you're struggling. I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense to me. It makes sense to God. You'll get it later. How many times do you not look back on your life and say, oh yeah. Boy, that was the right choice. That was your perfect plan. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for keeping me from messing it up. (laughs) So many times as you go through life, you just have to say, God knows best. God's works are always righteous. His ways are righteous. His works are good. All his ways, righteous and holy all the time. He knows best. He knows best. My father knows best. In prayer, father, you know best. Isn't that a good prayer to be able to have often when you can't make sense of it? And you're not going to make sense of it. Other than to know God has made sense of it from all eternity and he's making sense of it now in providence and he's making sense of it for your redemption and his perfect plan. Beloved, your father knows best. Go to sleep and sleep well tonight with that on your heart. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, God, forgive us that we think we know everything that we think we know best. We don't even hardly know anything, and we hardly know what to do with anything we know. Oh, God, have mercy on us for so often being foolish. Help us to keep trusting in your way and in all our ways, acknowledging you, not leaning on our understanding, but leaning on your infinite understanding. We pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, amen. Beloved, would you now open your psalters with me to Psalm 67 on page 133, and please stand. Page 133,
1: Psalm 67. Da, 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 da. let
0: This blessing, this doxology, this benediction from Romans 16 27. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever.